I am unashamed. What about you? You know what's crazy is now civilization is getting back to normal somewhat. I mean, still the virus is going and pandemic, but, you know, the stores are open. Because what happened was right before the coronavirus hit, uh, Jay, we went fishing and it was really hot. I mean, it was really hot. And it's like all the bugs that we had hit on the way down there before daylight, you really couldn't see out of the windshield. So he put some water on the windshield. It's a true story. No embellishment. He just sprayed the water on it to get the bugs off, and the windshield went poo in a crack. Just went all the way down the middle. I mean, almost like falling out. When he sprayed water on it? Sprayed water on it. And it was really hot. It's the only thing we could think of, you know. And it had all the bugs on it? Oh, it had massive. Maybe it had something to do with that. As soon as the windshield wiper and the water, when that hit, it just went poo. And he went, sorry. <laughs> I was like, you broke my windshield. Because he you was driving for some reason because I was sleepy the other day. But, uh, <laughs> and so, well, then I go, now I'm going to go fix it. Well, the, everything closes. So I can't. So I've been driving around with an inspired inspection sticker for weeks that turned into months. And so today I go. I, I Lucky go, for you, they probably weren't pulling a lot of people over because of the virus too. So I'm sure they saw me, you know, because they're all looking. I mean, this thing was expired, <laughs> and they want you know it's a good way to make some money. Because I know from past experience, the longer it's expired, the, the more money, the more you pay. That's right. So they wait. They're waiting. <laughs> you know, you gotta sli- get that. I, I got it. There's a waiting game there. There, you wait too long, you get a new venture. I was gonna say coronavirus. Nobody's open, but now everybody's open so I don't have an excuse. So look, I go down there and get the windshield replaced. Well, I'm, I went to, you know, like, oh, I appreciate it. So, no, we got, I got to explain this to you. She gets out a sheet of paper. I just found this interesting. And there were like 10 things. And look, the more she talked, it's like this windshield was, was a living organism. It's like, now look, for the first two hours, we need that to sit. And so we can't slam a door until four hours. And then you can remove the tape after six hours. I was looking around. I was getting uncomfortable. I was like, these people have fallen in love with the windshield. I think they were trying to justify That explanation is a long way from redneck ingenuity. Yeah, I thought. The redneck ingenuity, they put the windshield in there. Nobody says anything. No. So now I have two (laughs) big things of orange tape. On and I was actually, she gave such a speech that I was driving more slow than normal. Afraid you break your windshield. I thought, you didn't want I to mean, hit a pothole. I, well, on your way here, it's pothole central. Oh my goodness. And I mean, just boom. Well, they've just given up on your road, by the way. It was just yeah. like, ah, whatever. You were the first roads to go, Phil, yeah. in the pandemic. I mean, you come down here and you're not paying attention. I mean, I'm longing for the old dirt roads from when I grew up. At least they didn't wasn't full of potholes. You know, they put a little dirt in them. For it was better with dirt. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is dry, lose your drive. If you shaft. don't pay attention, yeah. <laughs> it's serious. So anyway, I mean, I'm like, okay, I guess they're trying to justify the price, but I haven't, you know, a new windshield makes you feel a little better. But you know, it's funny, life. years ago, Dad, I mean, a new windshield was a big deal. But these days now, you know, you hit a rock come off of, you know, like a back of a dump truck or oh, something, yeah. and it'll just hit it, you know, right off the bat. But you call up your insurance company now, they just come over 
and they'll put a little deal on that one thing, or even sometimes they'll just say, oh, yeah, we'll take the whole thing out. It costs you 50 bucks or whatever. Oh, I look, when she said, now what interest do you have? I said, no, I'm just going to pay for it. I was like, it was, she's like, excuse me? I said, well, I told her the story. We're sitting in the parking lot, you know. The thing just broke. It wasn't yeah. nothing. I mean, I'm just, it happened. Right. How much did it cost me? I'm going to pay you for it. And it was literally like I said something. I'm going to give you money for what you did. And it was like I said something that cannot be done. <laughs> it was a well, foreign concept. Yeah, she was. Look, she looked over, I guess, at her boss. And they're looking, you know. And I said, I got cash. He's going to pay for it. Yeah. I said, I got. Out of his pocket. I said, I got cash money. And she said, do you have exact change? I thought, they don't they don't transact money here anymore. I said, well, I can get pretty close. Because <laughs> you keep a little cash in the I truck. I got some money, you know? And I'm like. No, it does show you the difference in insurance. So so I get my knee, you know, I got to get my knee looked at. I tore my meniscus. So they send me over. When did it. you tear this meniscus? This is about a year ago. So, yep. I, I, so I've been doing a physical therapy. So far, so good. But I go in, I got to get the thing looked at, right? So you got to get the MRI. So they send me over to the MRI people. So I'm like, I got to get that MRI. So what? What? How do I? How do I do that? So she said, Well, you're scheduling, and she said, uh, So how are you going to pay for it? You're using insurance, and I said, uh, Well, I don't. I said, Was it cost? And same deal. She said yeah. she looked and looking. She said, Well. It depends. Are you using insurance or paying cash price? And I now, said, Now, why would that depend? Well, exactly. I was like, well, uh, isn't it the- I think I know the reason. The guy <laughs> said, We need to operate on your eye immediately or you're going to lose your sight. I said, Well, go for it. He said, How are well, we going to pay for that? Your, 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 you went from losing sight. Your insurance, he said, Insurance pay for it. He said, Okay, let's see. That's 3500 So I said, Miss Kay, you got 3500 She said, Yeah. She said, I'll pay for it. So they call around. The insurance company calls back. Says you can't do it. You can't do that. No, no. You're in a clinic. You're you're with an eye professional in a clinic. Yeah, you have to be in a hospital, or we don't pay you. But he's just told me that unless he fixes it right now, I'll be blind by tomorrow. <laughs> so I'm like, well, we can't delay. So he, so they look. Miss Case with the insurance company, and they're all hassling about my eye. And I'm thinking, well, have y'all forgotten that I'm fixing to go blind out of one eye? Forget the insurance company. I said, what if we just pay you? He said, twenty eight hundred. Now it's twenty eight hundred. It was thirty five five minutes ago. Because the insurance, insurance got to pay. For it. But you, she gonna pay for it? I said. I said, you got twenty eight hundred on you, Miss Case. He said, Yeah, I sure do. <laughs> I said, Well, get the man a check, and he fixed my eye. And they were sitting there. Hey, 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 hey. I said, Well, what y'all did? I said, By the way, Doc, I know this sounds like a crazy question. How? Why was it thirty five hundred five minutes ago? If the insurance company was gonna pay it, and now it's not but twenty eight. What dropped that price? He said, it's just the way business is done. It's a scam. Because you fleece the insurance Right. Well, that's and, so, so here's they're, they're fleecing you. That's right. Well, here's the here's And look, that eye was not fixed until that 2800 was given to the doctor, and that was checked to see if they had it. Yeah. But then once they come, everybody was happy. Well, hey, when what you the say? money hit the hand, the <laughs> hand went to the eye. <laughs> so my deal was, so they told me, they said. That's why I tried to stay away from town, period. Yeah, exactly. I'm just trying to You've stay to out of town. town. Yeah, we are. So, stay out of town. Don't so get in there. they told me $1,500 if you pay for it, if you just want to pay for it. I said, okay. 
I said, so what's the insurance price? $3,000. Double. The insurance yeah. was double. The same procedure. So I said, well, I, let me talk to my wife. I don't know. This is all confusing to me. Go ahead and make the point. So I go home. We check with the insurance company. Well, guess what my deductible is to the insurance company? $1,500. $1,500. Well, yeah. So well, I sense. could pay fifteen hundred, get it done, put it on the insurance. They're going to charge them three thousand. They're going to get my fifteen hundred. They are, and then they're going to pay. So I wind up just paying for it. I thought, you know, I, I did mean, the same thing. I was just I mean, like, if it's going to cost the same, I gave him three hundred dollars, whatever it was. But I thought me. that's what's wrong with the the whole system. Oh. I mean, you talk about a mess when you got. Well, all if that you going. look at it logically, people who are not as blessed as others. Yep. These bills, they don't even have the fifteen hundred for the sure. For yeah, the be a big deal, right? Or the twenty eight hundred for the eye. They right. don't have the money. Right. Well, you just think about it. And you wonder why everybody. Well, you know, make the government do it. It's just uh, if you go to town, you run into that <laughs> arguing about prices. It's you're liable to get shot. You're you're you're, you're more likely to be shot. You're more likely to be robbed. Well, I you said come. you're more likely to catch the, some kind of virus that comes through. Uh, yeah. I said I said stay out of town. That's all I can tell so you. Just stay out of town. Stay away from town. Your paranoid personality has really blossomed during this. The man they're tearing the statues down. They tore down the statue of Thomas Jefferson, and I thought, well, they're not a good man because Jefferson is the one that said. I think as long as there's open lands to go to, we'll be all right. Americans will be happy. But if you ever get stacked on top of one another like they were in Europe, where they yep. just come from, Europe, he said, we'll become as corrupt as they are. Yep. Well, Jefferson was right. So there's more corruption in the cities. There's more death. There's more violence. It just, it just, a, well, it's a people. very troublesome place. A city is. Yeah, I'm sorry. It just is. And uh, you'll be happy to know, and Thomas Jefferson, if he were here, would be happy to know that because of everything that's been going on, I read recently there's a pretty good mass exodus going on as we speak. That is correct. Out of these big cities. Because, that is correct. Because, you know, they're talking about no police and all that. So people are saying, you know what? They're wising up. It does, you know, let's go down and find us some land somewhere. And Your taxes are astronomical. I mean, it's just it's just a bad place to be, cities. I don't think we were meant, human beings, to be stacked that tightly together right. it's just too much well it changed you know what happened was we were a farm culture agri you know agriculture for yep. the early all the early years but then all of a sudden people are like well let's go to town because they're starting to industrial they're starting to make stuff and that's what led to all of it but i reminded it just hadn't out. i reminded the film crew this morning for the the blaze tv thing in the woods i gave them three in a row and I was just sitting there and have a few notes I'd taken it at night. And I was sitting there doing it. And I said, y'all stop just a minute. I said, listen. Just stop and listen a minute. They, of course, my film crew looked at me. <laughs> and and they, they were looking around. What are we supposed to be hearing? I said, guess what we're hearing right now? I said, not one sound. I said, it's completely quiet. I said, we're under these big oak trees in my yard. I said, there's not a sound anywhere. I said, how in the world would human beings not recognize that as a good place to be? It's just, of course, maybe it's just me, but it was completely silent. We get over in them woods we own over at Jace. We get out in the middle of that thing. You you just wouldn't believe what you're not hearing. It's just calmness for 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 the mind, peace of mind. 
I'm on record as saying peace of mind is the rarest commodity there is because people just can't be quiet (laughs) be in a place where I look at in the streets and I'm hearing them holler and scream and running and I'm thinking I said is I I look and every time I look you say where is it on a city street that's where it is I just see I envision it's one of the saddest things I've ever watched in in my life in an urban city on a street corner with a sign that says shut up Be quiet. <laughs> I would love to go onto any city street and have a sign that says, I'm here, and I hope y'all will shut up. Because I would just like to hear it calm down where people smile and walk on by. But but for the stuff that's coming out of there, they won't stop. They get within six inches of a man's face, two inches, and the protesters are screaming at these guys who – it's a tough road, the no, police. terrible. And they're right in their faces calling them all these names, and all this stuff is just coming out of them. And Corona I look at it, spittle. and I'm, I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, boy, that's city life. That's the place to be. I am anti-city, period. Sorry. I think we've got that established. So every time we go to New York, which we have to do from time to time, that is the one thing. Oh, it's just right right now chills are going down my spine. Oh, my goodness. Good news for you, Dad, I would imagine. The last time I was in New York City, they had a police department. By the time we get there, there'll be a billion dollars less for the cops. And I'm thinking – Boy, that's going to be fun. Yeah, we don't want to go That's back. something to look forward to. Well, the good news is, more than likely, because of the COVID ongoing, we're probably going to be able to promote your book from right here in the friendly yeah. confines Let's of West Let's don't go Monroe. to New York. I yeah. don't want to go to New York ever again. I've been to New York. I ever. don't want to go back. It's like a town. Let's take a break. So one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite sponsors is uh, Tommy John. Because they make the best, most breathable underwear in the world, you know, and I and I've tried a lot of different ones. I always thought you're somewhat of a sissy if you're talking about your underwear. <laughs> a man, now. a man well, discussing underwear. I'm like, no. Well, fellas, well, sell them. How you gonna sell it? You gotta do. That's what market. I'm saying. I'm all in on uh, Mr. John, whoever you. I'm all in on it. I'm I'm, I mean, actually, I tell you it what, does I not take away your manhood, but to me, it's a little bit soft. I will raise my hand. I am a sissy when it comes to underwear I've because never had a discussion about underwear. Me? We never have. That's it's a, ever. It's the first one we've ever had is on this podcast, and that's the problem. Y'all don't know about the best underwear in the well, world. Right. Like, if you're can, in a duck blind, that's why we. Say, we got these old raggedy stuff we wear. I don't know what they call them. I've never looked at the brand. They call them tidy whiteies. No, That's they, what they, they call, call them. Cheap. <laughs> cheap. <laughs> yeah. Disposable. Well, so let well, me these t- may be worth. Let a me try. tell our audience about it because I guarantee you, you want to try this, and I'm, I'm going to get y'all some to try as well. So basically, they call it cool cotton. It's and it's so great in the summer because that's when it's just brutal. cotton is the best material. For, and this I, is I like have a, a really soft t-shirt cotton. on because in the hot summertime mm-hmm. in Louisiana. This this keeps you cooler than any of it. Yeah, white well, t-shirt, cotton. It's, it's good. Cotton is the best. Right. And, and it used to be white. No, it's yeah, well, yeah. It's got a few stains. Many here, colors. You know. So they have a here's here's how much they they like their underwear, Dad. So they have a full refund. It's called the best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free guarantee. So 
you wear a pair of these, and if you don't say this is the best pair of underwear I've ever had, you well, can send it I back. May, I may succumb if you <laughs> offer me a dare. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing the dare. So so here, here's what you do. Go to TommyJohn.com slash Phil to get 20% off your first order. TommyJohn.com slash Phil. Uh, 20% off best underwear you'll ever try, or you can send them back. All right, so Dad's anti-town. We got that. Um, that's that's not really new news. That's old news. It's old um, news. So in uh, in our study in John, we uh, we've gotten to a really interesting story um, that I probably I don't know. I preached at least a couple of sermons on this text and and a few classes. I'm sure you have too, Jay's. This is from John eight, and mm-hmm. um, and so, we'll we'll note right off the bat. There's. In the theological world, since the earliest manuscripts, they say, you know, didn't have, I think, John 7.53 through 8.11, which is what people who, this story makes a lot of religious people uncomfortable. Right. And so they'll go to that. And uh, I just want to say that because that's where people who are uncomfortable with this this story, mm-hmm. that's what they use. They're like, well, the earliest manuscripts didn't have this story, but n- numerous ones did. Right. And I don't. I think this falls right in line with what God represents through Jesus uh, 100%. And the timing of it was right on target because remember the last, what, three chapters we've been in, there's been this whole thing about trying to kind of trap Jesus and try to make him say something that then he's not really the son of God. So you kind of got that going back and forth. In mm-hmm. fact, leading up to it in the context, they the Jewish leader sent in some temple guards to get him. They were like, all right, we've had enough. You go get him and bring him back here. They were going to go ahead and start the process that would happen a little bit later. Claiming to be God. Right, and, all this stuff. You know, doing miracles, blasphemy. So they yeah. show up, and the temple guards did, and they start listening to him. And they show back. They come back to the Jewish leaders, and they they don't have him. And so they were like, "Why didn't you bring him in?" This is verse forty six of John seven. They said, "No one ever spoke the way this man does." And yeah. I love that. It was like they were like, "We couldn't arrest this guy." Yeah. I mean, have y'all heard what he had to say? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Always think of that line. You ever seen anybody like this? I never heard of anything <laughs> like this. That's a tombstone line. So. Yeah. So the next verse in verse 47, before I read it, I'm going to tell you a story about what I did, Jason. So on our book, Desperate Forgiveness, which is right here. So when you know how you sign your book, well, I always try to find a verse that fits the theme of my book, and I write it under my deal when I sign my book. And so I came up with Luke 7, 47. And it was the one where Jesus told, there was a woman at his feet, you know, and, and he tells her, he's like, he tells Simon, actually says, to the person who has been forgiven much, they love much. But to the per- person who has been forgiven little, they love little. And mm-hmm. he was making the comparison between the woman and Simon. That's what, As a general Right. So that's, that's Luke 7. So, But the first two events I did, somehow in my mind, I got you know juxtaposed here. And I was writing John 747, which is, is this John verse. You mean he has deceived you also? <laughs> the Pharisees retorted. So the Notice first the word retort. <laughs> retorted. It wasn't like uh oh, so we it's like uh Oh it, they weren't happy. They, no. It was a sneer. 
But what was funny is they so the first two hundred people that which got kinda, my book, yeah, which kind of goes along with you're you're deceived. Well, I guess so. But I thought, what are they going to think when they read that verse? And they're going to think, what is it? I mean, you talk about. I would there's think, some people that spend some hours thinking. about I would about think what that, that Al might have wrote this book, but he's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would have thought. Well, I discovered it, thankfully, and changed it. But anyway, so they're like, oh, he's deceived you also. Uh, has any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? No. And they say that proudly, but that tells you something about the ruling class, about where they are. Of course, it's not true anyway, because we're fixing to find out. But this mob that knows nothing of the law, there's a curse on them. Boy, that sounds like modern-day America. It does. There's well, there the are going to be some similarities here, except these were religious people. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of, uh, you know, troubling. So they said no one's believed him. But look at the next verse, 50. Nicodemus, oh, we've Love heard it. him, who had gone to Jesus earlier, remember John 3, and who was one of their own number, it's it's almost like John uh -oh. said, uh oh, you said we there got one. a defector. <laughs> he says, "Does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he is doing?" Well, what do you know? He's advertising for freedom of speech. That's exactly right, and but and he, for he, testimony. And I think it's worth a reminder. He went to Jesus at night because he was one of their number. Slipped, oh, yeah. slipped, I do think there was slipping know, through. Oh, the he shadows. was afraid. There was something there, right? And then he is blown away with what Jesus had to say. I mean. Where you know you got to be born again. I mean that is a like get that, inside my mother. Yeah, that's a mic that drop conversation in your <laughs> yeah. religious theology classes. You ever had yeah. somebody say, "How about me Nicodemus?" His head is spinning, and he's yeah. thinking, "Let's see, I got to go back inside my mother." This dude, I don't know about. So him. when we fast forward to the end of the book of John, we know that Nicodemus did become a believer because there he is taking Jesus' body down. Yep. With Joseph and yep. preparing it, so it's really. I think that's a transformation. And when you look for transformation, because really, that's that's I think the strongest evidence of God. And I mean, I'm living on a creation that's demanding a creator, but that true transformation you see it, and it's like it's not really mentioned from his perspective because there's just three little glimpses. But look where the three glimpses right. are. Yeah. It was at the beginning, He's sneaking around in the middle, and then at the end when Jesus dies, well, he's there taking care of the body. He's there. He, he had a transformation moment, and I'm pretty positive that when he got wind that, oh, he's back, that pretty well sealed the deal for him. This is yeah, he probably thought, now I understand born again. Yeah, I, I get it oh, now. He, 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 <laughs> I'm pretty sure he set things right with his friends. <laughs> you yeah. know, that would be a good sermon. That I'm always thinking about a good sermon, Jay's. If you showed the three glimpses of Nicodemus to question and then to def he's basically defending yeah. Jesus here, and then he finally at the end he's totally submissive. He's the one taking care of his yeah. dead body to get it into the ground. It's a picture for us all. It I is. did it for a house church. That's a good going yeah. on Nicodemus. I like good. that. That's a good one. So and then verse fifty two, and this is what happened earlier. They replied, "Are you from Galilee too?" In other words, you idiot. That's what they're basically saying. Are, yeah. you, are you an idiot too? Look into it. You'll find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. And the, the crowd had made the same mistake back in John 6. They didn't know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. They missed that little caveat. So they keep saying, well, he couldn't. I mean, the Messiah's not coming from Galilee and Nazareth. You, you people are idiots. Yeah. But they were wrong the whole time because they didn't know the full truth, which is really interesting to me. So that's the setup that gets us to John 8. But it's also, it says something, because now you're fixed to go to a person. The reason I think the setup's important here. You're fixed to go to a person who is caught, you know, caught in the act 
of adultery, which we assume just, he's dragged out of a bed. Just yeah, yeah. it's a weird occurrence here. I mean, we got spies, we got some out here, you know, because they're all doing it to test Jesus, right? And so that she gets the focus of the conversation, and you know, people say, well, the hardest thing to do for the world, for anybody in the world, especially somebody like this, is to repent. But there's also I can't remember what the joke was because it's really not funny, but they said, but the hardest thing for a church leader for them to do is to change yeah, because it's kind of an irony there because that's, that's what's set up here. They're not going to listen and change their mind. And we look, we've been around religious leaders like that yep. who are just like, you're like, I mean, will not listen. Will not change. And then railing about people who won't change. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You won't. They won't change their behavior, and you won't change your philosophy or theology whatsoever, which is a dangerous place to be. And never, and, and look at it that way. We never want to be mistaken, boys, for theologians. Yeah, or Pharisees. I've That's never, me. I've I never, say all the time. I've never read the word theology, theologian in the no. Bible. Have you? Where is that verse? It's not there. And the, uh, I wonder why. The closest you would probably see to it is the word Pharisee. I mean, yep. that's the mindset yep. of that. Well, what you got to remember is you can be wrong on a number of things. That's why I always tell people it makes them uncomfortable. I'm like, the only thing I'm concerned about is you being right with Jesus. Yeah. You be right on Jesus, and we're going to let grace abound in every other issue under the sun. We can talk about it. We can discuss it. But you see, and y'all have had these conversations, where some issue that somebody comes up with is a deal-breaker. Or they'll they'll mask it in things like, well, that's not a salvation issue, or this is a salvation issue. I'm like, Jesus is the salvation issue. Not worried about the rest of it as far as we can talk about it, we can discuss it, but I'm never going to make anything a deal breaker that's not concerning Jesus. You travel over land and sea for one convert, and once he's converted— you make him twice the son of hell as you are. Yeah, where's that I'm, verse at? That's a, I don't that's know. a well, scary I just verse. Yeah. That was a good one off it's, the top of your head. It's on the bottom on right-hand column, way down on the right, I think in Matthew, about mid-Matthew. Uh, yeah, I could find it if it you had like to have it. It was like the seven. It was like the seven. I know what it was. It was the seven woes. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. was that at, It's in Matthew. The seven woes. All right, so let's take a break while we're looking for it. So one of our uh, one of our new sponsors is uh, a group that I really like because they they work help churches and um, I'm a big church guy and the, their name is Ajace A D J A C E not S E like Jace um, basically they're technology guys and they've just come up with a way to build church directories that you can interact the church can interact with each other as well as um, and I did find out. The, the our worship planning uh, software is what these guys they connect mm. with that as well which is really good so that helps you to be able to send stuff around to people it's really good uh, connects people uh, it's easy to set up you get your director up and running in less than two minutes um, and they work with a lot of smaller churches you know a lot of big churches kind of figure stuff out but smaller churches is, is hard to do and so that's who they kind of focus on um, portrait address, phone number, email, all that can be synchronized uh, with the planning center, which is worship. On the net, Phil. On the net. So this is one of the positives that came from 
Yeah, the we, coronavirus we, we, we try to, quarantine. we, we try to, uh, accentuate the positives on the internet with dad because he, he tells us about the other ones. Y'all so, are slowly bringing me around, but <laughs> I got news for you. I'll be gone and y'all be still trying to pull this thing together. <laughs> so it's secure as well. Mobile app access, which is great. And like I said, it's inexpensive, uh, free for churches under 50, which is awesome. So they're really trying to help small churches get connected. $10 a month for churches between 50 and 250, which is the size of most churches. So, uh, and then they'll work with you as you're going forward. So you go to adjace.com. A-D-J-A-C-E.com, hit the new church button, and you'll be up and running in two minutes and connected better to your church. Way down the right hand on the bottom. I don't know what that means. You went way down on the right hand on the bottom. I know where it's written in, my, in, in Matthew. It's in yeah. Matthew 23. Matthew right, 20, good bottom fine, right man. hand corner. Uh, well, I don't know about what the. It, I don't know if he has the corner. same kind sure of version. My Bible is exactly like yours. See, yeah. seven was Matthew twenty three verse fifteen. It's kind of in the middle. Woe to you! Oh, it is in the bottom right hand corner. Of yours. See, yeah. it's in the it's middle, in middle, middle left hand. On see, I told you bottom right here. Right, I said way down at the bottom. <laughs> Go ahead and say that, Jay. See if I had it right. He's worse on them than I was. No, you you quoted it right, but he he basically came to the Pharisees in like verse twenty three. 23, 23, he said, Woe to you, teachers of the law, Pharisees, you hypocrite. You give a tenth of your spices, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law. You know, that that's kind of the gist of it. But where's the one 15, you quoted? Verse 15. All right, verse 15, 15 says, Woe to you, teachers of the law, and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much. <laughs> It's not funny, but I can't help but laugh. The son of hell is you are. Which people say, you want a hellfire and brimstone? This is one of the few Jesus gave. But here was my deal on that, because I, I think he extends grace to us, and we teach a message of grace. But if you're Jesus, you can do whatever the heck you want to do. <laughs> well, wouldn't you say, though, it's fair to say from all the epistles, that from all the writings, mostly from Paul, that you get the idea that grace abounds for people that have bad behavior, but it also abounds for people who have bad theology because all of those early churches were, were not doing things that Paul wanted them to do. A lot of problems. Like, a lot of problems. And yet he's still calling them brothers. He's still extended grace. Well, right. So it, it covers bad theology It's not like well. 2,000 years later within Christianity we're not going to have some problems. We are far too splintered, yep. far too divided. Agreed. Everybody has their own little theological stance on Agreed. this, and they're not going to budge, and we got it, and you don't, right. and we got it right. But we live in a realm, Al, I must admit, we live in a realm that it's not that way. No. And, I don't think like that. Well, in, the, in the, the success of our podcast, and to remind our audience, what we said from day one here on the podcast, we're not about groups, we're not about signs on the side of your buildings, none of that stuff. We're just going to teach the Bible and study the Bible together. And if you approached it that way and, and got along with other people and other like-minded believers, you'd be so much better off. I love but every it last reveals, one of them. the Bible reveals Jesus. We read that in John 5, you know. He was like, y'all are studying the Scriptures thinking they produce eternal life, but you forgot about me. Yeah. And the Bible was written about me, right. which is what they meant. And his whole point here was grace. So I started off saying the reason people say, well, this is not in the early manuscripts and people have difficulty with it is because religious leaders, theologians, somehow think this story excuses sin, which is a big question 
you know, that we get all the time. Well, wait a minute here now. If you start forgiving everybody, aren't you saying it's okay to sin? Are you saying adultery is okay? If you start saying the law has been fulfilled, then, you know, right. Sounds like a question given in Romans 6 where he says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Who knew that that question that has come up thousands of times in our living rooms and on the phone was asked right there. That's right. Of course, Paul in Romans 6 went to when you reenacted the death, burial, and resurrection and baptism, which I think is pretty interesting. He went to Jesus and what saves you, but he went into your participation in it through surrender right. as far as reenacting. He said, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ, you know, our old self was crucified. We were therefore buried, and just as Christ was mm-hmm. raised from the dead, we too may live a new life. We know that our old self was crucified. So you can make a lot of uh, you know, thoughts there on how that motivates you. Was it because remember what you reenacted, you know, Jesus' death on the cross, he died for this. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go out there and do it because he paid for it. But you got to remember, even in the specific story, the last thing he says in the, in the story is, go now. He tells the woman, who was caught in adultery? Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about him defending her and how he asking it. them, yeah, how, how he goes about doing it. Any of you are without sin, throw the first right. stone. But then he says, go now and leave your life of sin. There was no support of her behavior right. anywhere in this story. Right. No. Nope. He was focused on the forgiveness and the grace that's offered instead of a rule-keeping system, which led to her. They, now they got rocks in their hands right. saying, well, let's kill her. What say you? Plus, I noticed the dude, there had to have been a dude somewhere. Yeah, you can't have adultery he, He's by not yourself. even in the picture. He's not even in well, the what equation. About that guy? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, where was he? Because I would have think that dog that had two places, two Two, two little, both of them, stone, both of them. They're stoning the woman and not the man. And uh, you can see and you're how right, the, that was you can law. see how where the women's liberation movement cranked up because they look at this and say, hey, yeah, I tell you, right, yeah, yeah, the man they didn't bring him. Well, it's just well, it's like me. Look, when I was dating, this really has nothing to do with anything, but it just made this popped into my head. When I was dating, if my girlfriend, because back then I, uh, I've been unashamed about, I waited till I got married before I had any sexual activity. It was with my wife only on our wedding night, but. Back in the dating world, it was considered cheating. What did you say one time, Jace? Your wedding night was the the first hour was a study of the human anatomy. <laughs> it was pretty much the whole night. It was more like a biological experiment. I was waiting for the birds to start singing, and this was like just – do what you got to do, and let's reassess. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. not very today in our culture, yeah. Jace. They hear about that story, and they're like, "I don't know about that." You know, it, was, it was exciting because I was like, "Let's see what we got here." You yep. know? It yep. was more like that. As in, now later on, you know, the romance, the, the immoral among us, Jace, they would look at you and say, "Wait a minute, here, no, you, nobody's ever done." Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what the world's missing. They don't realize that that experiment, boy, it's worth the weight because it's it's like fascinating it's discovery like, you're to be discovery. commended for that i think Jay. i Absolutely. said that like more than once i was like fascinating i mean it, <laughs> so you really all, you went mr spock on her there she really wasn't as excited you know but she warmed up to me it took a couple of days but uh what i was gonna say is in the dating world i used to you know when you're in high school and like you know your girlfriend cheats on you 
And so what do they do? Because I didn't have good friends, you know, until they eventually later on in life came to Jesus. And all all these guys, they're like, you know, I'm going to go whoop this guy. And, you know, I'm like, well, what about the girl? She cheated. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would be like, no emotion. Okay, I don't want her anymore. She's not loyal. Move on. There's... (laughs) What three or four billion out here? That that ended once she left. You know, it's well, like but why do you got to whip somebody? Let's go. Let's go have a fight. It's over. You know, because I was having a conversation this week with a young guy, and people, you know, they know we follow Jesus, and things happen. You know, with this guy, his girlfriend broke up, with, and he's just devastated. And so I'm trying to, you know, I want to share about jesus but i'm listening i mean okay you're trying to console him yeah i'm like he's really upset and so the more i'm hearing the more i'm listening i'm trying to form an opinion i'm not a counselor but he asked my opinion i guess you know for whatever reason so i gave it because i'm like so i said no why did she break up with you but it was all generic and so i was like i kept trying to get the specifics and so i finally realized no there was no specific (laughs) She she doesn't love you. <laughs> it's been a few days. Has she reached back out to you since the breakup? Because he's blind. You know, he's like, what am I going to do? I was like, is there a possibility it could, <laughs> it be, could be her? You. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm like, she doesn't love you. It's over. It's time to move on. Move on. I mean, or- but it was like. He was shocked. Like, well, I don't want to hear that. That's why you're not a paid counselor, Jason. <laughs> Called it like I saw it. <laughs> he has he has one patient. Let's let's take a break. So, uh, Dad, this uh, Tech Cyrus wrote a book called "Your Mama Wasn't a Monkey." And, I read that and sent it to you. Excellent and, book. Yeah, and it's it's really good because it just kind of uh, from from what I what I read of it, it's kind of, it seemed like to me more just a common sense approach about evolution versus God. I think he's a, a medical doctor. Okay. Yeah. Medical, medical doctor. And it basically, uh, it's, it's his memoir. It's about his life as well. Right. So he yeah. tells you about that. Um, so anyway, uh, dad loves it, uh, recommends it, says you should get it. And it sounds like something he would say, your mama wasn't a monkey. Yeah. I mean, that, that kind of sounded like that was a failed quote. I thought it's it was definitely funny. the title is a, uh, is one that just makes you stop and say, do what? That's right. You don't just, you don't say that. And then he's just like, ignore that. You're like, what, what did he say? Your mama wasn't a monkey. So, uh, we want, we want you guys to check it out. You go to amazon.com. You can purchase the book. Your mama wasn't a monkey. Uh, by Tex Cyrus, so it's good read. Yeah, that's why Jace didn't work out in the counseling business. Well, it's not. Look, I realize because when I read this, it was the truth. I mean, though, that's there's the truth. nothing more upsetting to me in a marriage than adultery. I'm just as upset now. Mm-hmm. I get angry if someone's in the church and they're, you know, I feel betrayed. You know, just like they are. I mean, I'm hot. So it's not that we're not saying. That's not horrible, and what it does to kids. I read this and, story, and I'm thanking God when I read it. I'm like, whoo, exactly. if you cut her some slack, it could cut me well, some. I needed well, it. That's right. So, I mean, grace doesn't nullify, nullify the consequences and sting of sin that happens to it. It's horrible. That's you know? right. Well, so let's read the story. It's short, uh, and then we'll, we'll f- finish up and kind of jump in there. But verse 1 said, but Jesus went to Mount of Olives. Uh, this is from the previous story. At dawn— <clears throat> He, so he's in Jerusalem. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts. 
where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. So this is at dawn. This is a very early morning Bible I class. I like that little, set, that little just byproduct. That's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, this is early morning Bible class. Uh, verse 3, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery, which you imagine the spectacle of what that looked like, either naked or probably just covered in Yeah, because some verses they caught in the act. Right. But, they made her. Or it's the next verse. Yeah, next that. verse. They made her stand before the group. Now, now, she's either naked or partially clothed and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were asking. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Which so one? If we stop right there, they don't care about this woman at all. No. And they found whatever was going on in the old law. I mean, I'm sure you looked it up, but on the stoning. Oh yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Because he set up a both co- had code of ethics, down. which tells you what he thinks about that. It. At one point in time in our history, right? I mean, now and here's which is I think why God gets a bad rap. Right? Is it better? Would life be better if there was no adultery? Very much so. So he was right. You know, now right he, he came up with some rough consequences if you get caught as a society. But the theme was the society would be better off if everyone stayed together because you know if you don't come up with something that was. uh that would keep you from doing it. I mean, that probably would. They'll kill you with rocks, the the city. That'll probably deter it, you know? I would think. Yeah. And yet people still, obviously, they didn't. I mean, even knowing that under threat. They still didn't do it. And you say, does that make God bad? No, because he was leading you to John 8 in a moment in history where he wants to forgive you. So Jesus bends down. So asking him this question, so it's kind of hanging there in the air. And Jesus just bends down and starts to write on the ground with his finger. I remember that in temple court, so it's probably dust on the finger. He's, he's writing something, which there's been so many questions about. What was he writing? What was he writing? Yeah, I love Jim McGuigan. That's, that's, One a, of my that's amazing after he had just been asked the question. Yeah. The question was, you know, a woman was caught in the, act of in the law. Moses commanded us to stone such. What do you say? What do you say? And he's he's over here writing on the ground. He's writing on what the ground. What did McGuigan say? He, he said, which tells you he's not in a bind yet. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he said he drew circles, which it was a great illustration. He's like, we don't know what he wrote, but he said, I know what he did. And what he did was draw a circle around everyone and say, you're all sinners. Which was a pretty good point. Oh, and then he was point. like, and then he got in the circle and said, yep. "Neither do I condemn you." Right. But it, he wasn't saying, "I know what he wrote," but it, but the way he acted, he drew a big circle, and you're in it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, he's from Ireland. <laughs> he drew a love. huge circle, and guess what? You're in it. He's kind of a, a <laughs> he's holler. fiery. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like but it, it was kind of a moving thought. But I, you're right, Dad. The Jesus reaction was was priceless. It's like, what are you going to do about this? And he's like, you know, I mean, yeah. it's like no big deal. That's right. Draw in a circle. So, so verse seven, they kept on when they kept on questioning him. He straightened up and said to them, "They were like, while he's just sitting around, they thought the they had it. They're like, yeah, like, like ravaging wolves. Oh, yeah, they thought they had. They were like the people you described that are yeah. six inches from the. He hasn't coast. said a word. He hasn't said anything. Then he said, "If any one of you is without sin, 
Let him be the first to throw a stone at her. There's that's that's my take. That was his answer back. Boy, there's a hush <laughs> fell over him. Can you imagine? They're like, ooh. So then they're thinking. So now we know how to stop riots. That's right. <laughs> if anyone is not guilty of, right. anything, of anything ever, you, you can throw. Rocks. And, and pull the statues That would have been down, a huh? bit, of, bit of a good good question to ask all the ones that's been in the streets of America, going way back 200 years removing statues of men of renown right. 100 years ago, 200 years ago. Who also had also, sins, who yeah, were also sinners. Also sinners, and they're like, yeah, yeah but look what they did. and like, like they haven't sinned, look at what they're doing. Oh, but that's the thing. It's never empathy. That, Jay said it a minute ago. They didn't care about this woman. I wish, I wish we had Jesus to walk in among well, look, them. That oh, needs to be our compromise. We say, okay, you can tear down all statues. If you replace them with images of Jesus, <laughs> I'd be for that. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that either. Yeah. All right. We have one statue yeah. globally. We'll, ta- we'll take uh, one last break. All right, so verse 8, so how does Jesus, so what happens? So then again, he stooped down and starts writing on the ground again. So he he made his little statement, and he's writing on the ground. Verse 9, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first and then the younger, until Jesus was only left with the woman still standing there. So now she's standing there when whatever way they brought her in, like we'll show you, and she's they, thinking about whoa, whoa here. She's feeling a little better about this. That's right. <laughs> well, well, you wonder. I'm, I always sure imagine she went that, from fear to just. I mean, what would you call this now? Well, overwhelmed because oh, you think you're going to die. That's right. I mean, she thought she fixed to die. She thought oh, she yeah. fixed to die. She's probably no shaking violently. Plus, yeah. I imagine her just looking down, like not even able to make eye contact with anybody. I mean, she's caught, and they're the way they put it out here she's fixing to die she was as surprised right. as anybody yeah. that at jesus response i I'm think sure. though try i mean she's probably in shock just think you know right before you're fixing to die i think that probably superseded everything else and now she's gonna live and this would seem to me to be a horrible way to go oh man Man, you know, Steve, Stephen died that way. I mean, remember? In, oh, yeah. In Acts 7 and 8. Everybody's What's, throwing rocks. They're, they're, I would say large rocks. Oh, yeah. Every time one of them hits you, you break that bone, this bone, that, until you just. horrible. But I think when you look at it from an Old Testament history, because I'm sure people say, well, how would, why would God sanction that under the law? But you got to remember to him, death is, is not a problem. And so we view it as the ultimate problem. But he is life. It's not a problem. And when you look at the character that he's after, he's also 100% righteous. You're having to go down a slippery slope Mm. for us to even understand how you could pull all this off. Because he basically, he he doesn't, he's not endorsing adultery, obviously, because he laid out what a true marriage is and that what God, I mean, what God joins together, let man not separate. But he's also offering his nature of forgiveness and, in essence, life again because he saved her from death in this And remember the context that Jesus is dealing with. They weren't here to deal with an adulterous situation. They were here to try to trap him. That was the motivation. She went from death to life in 
minutes. Exactly. Minute, actually, seconds. Seconds. And, so, he, and he risked his life. Because yeah. what, what's – which he had some atoms and molecules. And the mob was you know. gone. You know, I'm seeing them now. They're hitting them with fire extinguishers, and there's a lot of rock throwing. Oh, yeah. You notice we are still casting stones. That's right. Oh, yeah. To at, this day. At anybody in authority, you're yeah. like – it was that kind of mindset that get gathered up that day. Well, thousands. Same of, thing you see it on the streets of thousands America. Thousands of police officers have been. They got a, they got a grievance. They got a beef. Right. And then they start throwing rocks at people, and you're like, yeah. hmm. Same thing. It's they, very they had it justified here. Yeah. And they in their mind, you have to justify the action first. That's yeah. right. And then you pick up the rocks, and then you say, and then I said, and well, they've that's never just- looked at themselves, and you, they say, you know, I wonder if burning down this my neighbor's business, I wonder if that's something wrong with that. I mean, I wonder if that's a good thing. You know, think about it. Well, look, through well, the years, it's good. through the year, we know a lot of police officers. We're friends with a lot of them. But, you know, through the years, I've encountered police officers who weren't very nice, oh, weren't very yeah. nice to me and other people. But, you know, I never thought, you know what, this jerk, I'm fixing to go find a rock and start throwing it at him. Well, right. It, the, the thought never, even if the guy was a jerk, I mean, I never did. The, well, the, but Al, the point is, I mean, when you see a video of obviously a police officer doing something sure. that it says heinous as anything a criminal would do, it, your emotions get involved. Oh, they got to me. And, I hated and, it. Oh, yeah, like, me too. And that's what causes this. And then they're like, well, we got to do something about it. And all cops are bad. Well, wait a minute now. You had me until the, we, we got to have some cops. And that, oh, which but is, when they quickly moved in, arrested him, and charged him with murder, which he should have been, I thought, well, that's our system. That's what we do to take care yeah. of stuff like that. We don't go out and because, start throwing rocks at other cops. Well, no. in essence, because we're all flawed, so you're always going to have a problem with corruption in law enforcement sure. because all people are corrupt. They're going to make mistakes. No doubt about it. Does that mean you throw the whole thing out? This is just, a good lesson for everyone to see. Yeah. Uh, what about forgiveness How do you here? respond? That's right. So verse 10, Jesus straightens back up again. And he's been down writing some more stuff, some more circles, I guess, Jay. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? I love it because he comes right back to her. By the way, he was the only one concerned about her. In he this whole cleaned story. house. With a couple of questions. That's right. Actually, <laughs> the first with one, question, one st- yeah, the one of, without <laughs> sin, you, you, you go for it. That's right. That, that, that cleaned him out with just one question. So she says, no one, sir. And then he says, as Jay said, neither do I condemn you. Then he says, go and leave your life of sin. But the key part there is forgiveness that produces lifestyle change, which is what That's I right. said. It's a grace-motivated right. system, which was this whole point. It was not based on the law. The Pharisees brought the law and rocks right. and had justification of it. I'm going to so, save you, which is when we come to Jesus, I'm going to save you and because of my mercy and grace. I'm going to forgive you, uh, but don't do that anymore. Right. That's exactly right. And if you do, I'll be there. I'll still be there interceding. Even then, Al, on top of that, right. forgive you. And he said, by the way, you'll make some mistakes as you follow me. Just remember, I'm here. Right. Give them to me. Don't right. tell me you're not going to make some mistakes. That's right. You'll be a liar if you do. Right. I'm telling you I have to be here to intercede for you, and you appeal to me, and I'll take your sins. I won't count your sins against you. He has been over backwards to right. save us. You're no right. doubt about it. One of my favorite lines from Celebrate Recovery, and I think Max of Mac Owen, our friend, is the is the first one that I heard say it. Because you know, you got a lot of people in CR that have come out of a lot of rough lifestyle. 
And they say, Jesus will meet you wherever you are. And then there's kind of a pause and it says, but he'll love you so much that he won't leave you there. Yep. And and I love that idea. It's like we can find him in any place, but then we don't stay where we are. We let him take us to someplace different. If it's drugs, alcohol, whatever it is that has you bound, Jesus wants you out of that. You yep. know, because obviously it's destroying lives, it's wrecking people. So I mean, in no better place do you see that in this story. Uh leave this life of sin. You know, you don't want to stay there. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was really powerful. Any last thoughts? We're about out of time. No, the last thing I was going to say is, you know, I said if we just had one statue about Jesus, unfortunately in the religious world, they wouldn't agree on what it should look like. <laughs> and it, which is my point. I think you got to remember here, God does not, you know, support sinful behavior whatsoever. But if he didn't go to a cross and, and die for us, we, we'd all be lost. I mean, his love and compassion is that motivation. So I think as religious leaders – we got to make sure we ain't walking around with a bunch of rocks in our pocket mm-hmm. and, you know, what are burning bridges instead of pointing people to the ultimate bridge, which is Jesus. Well, there's a lot of anti, you know, white stuff going on right now. But just a reminder, Jesus was a person of color. He was he was a Middle Eastern man. He wasn't a European he white guy. He wasn't boy. a European white guy. Nope. So I know some depictions make him look that way, yep. but go over to the Israel and look at a young guy there about 30 years old that's that's full-blooded Israeli. I know Israeli. for sure that nothing in his appearance so that we would desire him. There was he, he, he didn't stand out. He was not a looker. He wasn't a looker. Yeah, nope. but one of th- one of the things about coming to Jesus is that he That's Isaiah fifty three, by the way. Right. He makes you colorblind. And That's it right. doesn't happen it just it happens organically. Right. You when you realize where we all came from and what we all have in common, one of them is sin and one of them is forgiveness in Jesus. It, you're, you're just colorblind. And then none of the three of us are going to back down from that. Because I hear people say, I've heard a lot of people in the religious and evangelical world say, oh, we, we, you know, we're not colorblind. We're colorful. And all these different sayings are saying, I'm saying no, I'm, I'm colorblind. Oh, I'm colorblind. It, it does, I've been that way that for years. That does not matter to me. And we're yeah. one race. And you said that. We're the human race. So yeah. I think that's where we got to camp out. So good stuff. So we're so glad you guys were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or YouTube or Facebook. And be sure and rate us on iTunes so that other people can know about the podcast.